Hallelujah. Well, I feel like we just blew out church already, man. What else are we going to do? Father, right now we just thank you for everything that you've already done. And we position ourselves for what you're about to do. You're about to deposit within us, God, seeds that are going to bear fruit that we didn't even know was possible, the size of harvest that you have prepared for us, God. And we just open up right now, God, and we receive everything right now. Father, we take by faith authority over this atmosphere. We command every high thought, every imagination, every false belief system, we command it to break and to submit under the name of Jesus right now. As sons of God, we take authority over this atmosphere and we command anything that is restricting us, that is binding us up, that is causing us not to see clearly as you want us to see, Father, let it break right now in Jesus' name and give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you are showing us and what you are saying in the name of Jesus. If you believe it, say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Well, Jesus. I have some notes. The first thing I saw today um, is the Lord was kind of speaking to me about Joseph. So if we could, if we could quickly turn to Genesis 37, if you have your Bibles. I just want to touch on a few points here. And my prayer and my hope is that you guys will be encouraged. Not just encouraged like having a good thought, but encouraged into action. Amen. See, the Bible says faith without works is dead. And James goes on to say that some will say that they believe such a thing, but I will prove to you what I believe. I will prove to you my faith by my works. And isn't it interesting how a lot of Christians have a lot of things to say and or a lot of things that they believe, but when we look at our lives, sometimes we don't see that to be the truth based on our actions. Amen. I'm talking to myself as much as anybody. Yeah, everybody can relax. Tell your neighbor, buckle your seatbelt. Oh, come on. Tell your neighbor, buckle your seatbelt, fix your wig, and loosen up your skinny jeans. Because God's already moving, so just relax. Come on. You guys can respond to me. As you know, in this place, we, we're, we're totally fine with a little talk back. You can, you can say something, okay? Amen. Can you say something? Okay, some of you can say something, but some of you can't, I guess. Can you guys say something? Okay. I, I wasn't saying say something. I'm just saying, can you guys say something? Okay, awesome. <laughs> some of you forgot that you had a voice. Hopefully we can remember it today. The Bible says in Genesis 37, verse 5, it says, Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. Tell your neighbor, bow down. Some of you heathens know that song that I'm referring to. You need to repent right now in Jesus' name. Bow down when I come to your town. Okay. Hallelujah. Now, Joseph had a dream. Somebody say dream. Dream. Now, isn't it interesting? I had a few conversations recently with some people, and isn't it interesting that this is a, a normal terminology? Oh, that was just a... Isn't that interesting? Yet throughout the course of history, 
in the course of the word of God, one of the major ways that God speaks to his people is through dreams. dreams. Hmm. Yet today there's something that we all know as a saying and we actually believe it. Oh, it's just a dream. So Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers. Now when, when Joseph released the dream, by release I mean he proclaimed it. He said what was on his heart that God was speaking to him about. Everybody wasn't super excited about his dream. Now, were they? They actually were a little PO'd. They were like, well, Joseph, who do you think you are? My sheath ain't bound down to your sheath, Nicole. I'm your big brother. They got, they got a little disturbed at the fact that Joseph had a dream, and then his dream painted a picture to them like they were going to be serving him. Now, the dream was from God. Joseph shared the dream. But isn't it funny how sometimes when God gives us something in our spirit, man, as soon as we start talking about it, we're like hoping that, man, if I can just get this out of my mouth and if I could just share this with somebody, everybody's going to be super excited about what God told me. But isn't that funny how sometimes that's not the truth? As soon as you share something out of your mouth that God told you, all of a sudden there's a lot of resistance. Wow, that's interesting. So Joseph had a dream. And can we agree that it was from God? So the word of God says that God gave Joseph a dream. So he had a dream. Now we know in hindsight that the dream was actually true, right? Because we see that he then had another dream. And in the other dream, he saw the sun, the moon, and the stars bowing down to him. That his star was the greater star. And he shared that even with his father. And his father was Jacob. And even Jacob rebuked him and said, you don't even know what you're saying. And kind of shut down his dream. Anybody ever have a dream from God that you had in your heart feel like it got shut down? Yeah. Am I talking to anybody today? Hello. Can we get a little response? Anybody ever felt like, man, you really felt like you had positioned yourself right, you were doing the right things, you were praying the right prayers, you were serving God, you were putting your tithe in the offering bucket, and you just felt like, man, God was really going to do something, but man, why is there so much resistance? You ever feel that? Am I the only one in this room that ever feels that? So... The truth of the matter is, is that Joseph did have a dream, and then as soon as he started declaring it, that's when the, the resistance began. So I want to talk to you guys today, if it's okay, about stewardship. Is that cool? Stewardship is just a fancy word for manager. Somebody say manager. See, God's looking for managers. The Bible says that the earth and all its fullness are the Lord's. That means that everything is God's, which means that something isn't yours. But isn't it weird how we get a little, little you know, rooster cockadoodle-doo on our chest? Cockadoodle. Like, look at how great I've done lately. Look at all the things I've built. Listen to my prophetic gift. Listen to how well I preach this. Listen to how I had the crowd on the edge of their seats. The earth in all its fullness is the Lord's. That means God owns everything. You own nothing. You're a manager. You're a steward. Somebody say manager. So in this realm of understanding that we're stepping into right now, that we are managers, there's something that God's looking for from you that if you're not ready to do the protocol in which he says to do it, you are going to find a lot of resistance. It's protocol. 
And being a good steward is something that we're going to see as we read a couple of scriptures here that God's all about stewardship. He's all about good managing. He's all about not wasting, but actually reproducing that which you have been faithfully been put over. Amen. Amen. Being a good steward. Okay. So Joseph had a dream. Now, if you go on in the story, I don't want to turn there because of time, but at the end of the story, we find that in the middle of the story, I'll just kind of touch a couple of points. Joseph had a dream. His brothers get real PO'd. They end up basically getting this plan together where they're going to get rid of Joseph. So they make it look like the coat that he had of many colors got ripped by a wild animal and they put some blood on it and all this stuff and they bring him back to the father and they say, oh man, he, he got killed by a wild animal. We, we couldn't do anything. But really they put him in a pit because they wanted to get rid of him. So he gets put in a pit. So right as soon as he gets a dream from God and proclaims it, he gets resistance. Then he gets thrown into a pit and got rejected from his family. Then he gets sold into slavery from people he didn't know. Then he had to go and serve in somebody else's house that wasn't even a part of his family. Meaning he had to go serve in the house of people that were not people of God. How many people have a job in this room? How many people own a business in this room? See, the Bible talks about if you can't be faithful with mammon, how is God going to be able to entrust you with spiritual riches? I heard this statistic recently and it blew me away. I don't know who, uh, like what the exact breakdown of it was, but it was basically saying that most people work an eight to nine hour job. They clock in, clock out for eight to nine hours and they get paid for what? Eight to nine hours, right? Yet most employees are actually only productive for about two and a half of those eight to nine hours. So that means an employee is getting paid eight to nine hours of wages for work that only did two and a half hours for. You say, what are the other five and a half to six and a half hours spent on? Well, I would presume maybe a little Instagram, maybe a little Facebook, maybe a little email, maybe a little daydreaming, maybe a little extra two-hour break instead of that 15-minute one that you wanted. And we can't even be faithful with somebody else's business, but we say we want our own. We can't be faithful with the time that somebody else is entrusting us that they're actually paying us for, but we say we want to be entrusted with much. You see... Your boss or whoever's over you might not find out that you didn't work for those eight to nine hours. But I guarantee you God was watching. It's called a test. And you see, sometimes we're kind of scurrying around and we're like going, oh, nobody caught me. Oh, nobody caught me. Oh, nobody caught me. But then we're like, God, why isn't this changing? Why isn't this changing? Why am I not getting this breakthrough? Why am I not having this happen? And God's going, I gave you 15 tests already and you can't be faithful with mammon, but you're asking me for all these spiritual riches. How about be faithful with some mammon? Some of you are like, what's mammon? It's just money. It's the world system. It's a system that is tangible to us that we can actually trade with. It's money. You understand? So stewardship is important. Somebody say steward. Steward. Say, I am am a steward. Okay, so recognizing that, you are actually a representative on the earth. The Bible calls you an ambassador of Christ. See, the kingdom of God is real. It is more real than the kingdom of this world that you see. The Bible actually says that all the kingdoms of the world become the kingdoms of our God. Amen. So the kingdom of God is something that we actually have to steward. We actually have to be faithful in our life with things that are put in front of us today, even when no one's looking. Oh, wow. See, because someone's always looking. 
See, God's watching. He's, he's searching to and fro, looking for a heart that's seeking after him. You say, well, but Jeff, you know, I spent eight hours today praying in the Holy Ghost, and I fasted for eight months and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, but you don't even, you're not even faithful with the job that you've been given when the employer is saying, I'm paying you for eight hours, and you expect on Friday to get a paycheck right at 4 p.m. when everything's done. And you're like, where's my money? But the employee doesn't get to say, well, let me retract all the time that you spent on your own time while you were on my time. Amen. Now I'm preaching just straight to you right now because sometimes it's good to get practical wisdom so we can transfer it into spiritual wisdom. Do you understand? See, we can get all propped out and all glory, you know, you know, I love what Bex was saying, get all twitchy in the Holy Ghost. I love, I love a good twitch. Just woo. Oh, hey, you can get all blown out in the glory, right? But sometimes we don't take the oh and transfer it into actually reproducing the kingdom of God in our tangible lives that are practical, actually wisdom of God that says, I'm going to show up on time. I'm going to be faithful with my, with my money. I'm going to be faithful with my relationships. I'm going to be faithful with serving at church. See, a lot of people want this, but they don't show up on time or early or ask to do anything that doesn't have a good reputation behind it. They want this before they're ready to set up chairs. Now, we don't have chairs. We got pews. You guys are blessed. Hallelujah. But some people want to be trusted with this, but they can't even be trusted with cleaning up the stage. They can't be trusted with following up with some people that just got saved. That's a big one, man. If we can't follow up with people, how is God going to entrust us with more people that we can't follow up with? So we're like, God, I want the nations. And he's like, well, I gave you three to steward. And where are those three? Preaching to myself right now, okay? You understand? You're just, you get the blessing of listening. Hallelujah. Amen. So stewardship is important. Hallelujah. Joseph was faithful all the way to the end. And we see at the end that the dream that he had actually came true. But something happened before it came true. There was opportunity for him to get promotion. And the promotion came in an atmosphere that most people would have already given up in. Promotion came out of the prison. You see, sometimes what's happening in your life is God's waiting to reign on your life. But he is seeing that you haven't been faithful with the seed you've already been given. Sometimes God is, 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 he's like, man, if, if you will just be faithful with the little that I've given you in this moment, you don't even know the treasure that's right on the other side of this door ready to break through. But I just need you to be faithful with this, with what you can get your hands on right now. You say, but Jeff, when am I supposed to be faithful? Listen, potential, your potential is hidden and locked up in you being faithful with what is already in your hands to be a steward over your potential is locked. It's imprisoned. Everybody understand the word potential. Do you understand that your potential is limitless to your destiny? That you can literally go as far and as deep and as wide as you want if you're having faith towards God and you're submitted under heaven. God will not stop you as long as you're going after the things of God in accordance to your destiny. Do you understand that? But your potential is imprisoned in how faithful you are with what is currently in your hands today, not tomorrow. See, some of you have dreams, and let me, let me give you an ice in a view into what a dream is. A dream is a locked up idea in your spirit that God placed as your destiny that he's trying to call you in. 
So a dream is literally what God had already Jeremiah 29, you with. <laughs> Hallelujah. See what I did there? And it's locked up and God's like, can you see the vision? Can you see the vision? Can you see the dream? Can you see what I created you for? Can you see your destiny? And he's saying all that potential is locked up with how faithful you are with what's in your hand today. Say, because if you can't be faithful with one disciple, how are you going to get 15? If you can't be faithful with showing up on time to church on one Sunday, how are you going to be faithful when the church grows and then we need you on multiple times during multiple Sundays? You understand what I'm saying? And you see, this is a body thing. This isn't a person thing. But if a person doesn't take stewardship first, then it's not going to multiply into the body. So you don't get to say, well, nobody else is doing it. Why should I? That's not a son of God. That's the thinking of the world. You're looking at everybody else and comparing yourself one to another. But Paul said, why are you comparing yourself one to another? That is immaturity. That is spiritual immaturity. That is, you're still babes and you need milk, but I'm trying to give you meat. Here's the meat. What can you be faithful with today that God already asked you to do for the last two years, but you can just stay faithful in it today until you see the potential of tomorrow? Come on. Are we live? I know this is a straight word, but it's good to get a straight word because a straight word will keep you straight. Hallelujah. A shifty word will keep you all kinds of, uh, uh, I don't know what to do. This is real straight. It's super practical. It's super God. It's literally God. Was God faithful with you? Was he sending person after person after person to you? Was he raising up church after church after church after church that you heard about and was like, man, what are they doing over there? And, oh, man, I would better go find out what's going on over in Huntington Beach. You see, if we're not faithful with what God has already said over us here at the dwelling place and we just go, oh, yeah, we really haven't seen anything happen yet, then we're going to miss our opportunity in the prison to become ruler over a whole nation. Hello. See, because some of you feel in prison right now, but that just means you're in the right place at the right time. Anybody lost their dream? See, the thing is, is if you will see what's inside of your spirit, man, that's why it's getting in the, getting in the prince of God as we're worshiping and stuff. All of a sudden, how many people feel like a fresh wind of life comes over you when you're getting the prince of God like that? You all, you all of a sudden you start thinking all kinds of big things and you start thinking like, man, I can save the world and my family can be healed and all this stuff. Isn't it amazing how quickly that comes? But then you get out of that and you start infiltrating your spirit, man, your soul and your flesh with everything that it desires. And all of a sudden, all those dreams become distant memories. You got to be a good steward over what is coming in. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Turn quickly with me to, uh, which one should I go to here? Let me just, let me, let me read this because I'm going to have to fly through this real quick. Is anybody getting anything right now? Just, it's just good, clean wisdom. It's good, clean truth that's going to keep you clean and it's going to get you on the path to your destiny that God has already positioned you for. And then, don't worry about a thing. See, that's when, that's when everything's going to be all right. When you be a good steward over what God's already given you to do. Luke 16, verse 1, he also said to his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward. And an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship for you can no longer be steward. Hmm. Give an account for your stewardship. This is Jesus talking, by the way. These are red letters. And he's talking and he's teaching a parable right now. We're going to go through it. But he said, give account of your stewardship. 
That doesn't sound to me like, oh, well, whatever God wants to do, when he wants to do it, then everything's going to be all right. That actually looks to me like, oh, wow, there's something that I'm responsible over in my life. Isn't that interesting? Jesus is teaching a truth right here. He says, so he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship for you can no longer be steward. Then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I resolve what to do that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, 100 measures of oil. So he said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? So he said, 100 measures of wheat. And he said said to him, take your bill and write 80. So the master committed the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than sons of light. That's basically saying that people that are not in church, that are unchurched, are actually being more faithful with what they've been given in their life than we are. The practical riches. They're multiplying things. They're actually seeing growth. They're, they're uh, applying wisdom to their life. Now, they might have a lot of devils and a lot of devilish intentions, but isn't it interesting how the, the, uh, the law of gravity doesn't care if you're saved or not? Isn't that interesting? Oh, gravity, I'm saved. You're falling off the cliff. It's still going to take you down. <laughs> you're still like, ah. You don't have a parachute. You're going down, baby. You're going to meet Jesus real quick, and it's going to be all right then. But gravity's still taking you down. It's a law of gravity. So there's certain principles, certain truths, certain wisdom of God that even an unsafe person can apply, and they'll see a stewardship that they're over as they apply it. They'll see reward from it. Isn't that awesome? How much more the sons of God? How much more as if we are faithful with what God has given to us that's a little, that will actually be a good representation, a good son that other people can see, oh my gosh, look at how much God has blessed them. This doesn't just have to do with money. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? But God did compare it to money. You can't be faithful with mammon, then you can't be faithful with spiritual riches. Verse 9, and I say to you, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon, and when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is also unjust in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? This is a very powerful principle to understand. So because a lot of us, we're just trying to get by in life, and we need to understand that there's a great principle in actually being faithful in another man's field before you ever get access to your own. Does that make sense? What's another man's field? Another man's business. Another man's church. Another man's ministry. That apartment that you're renting, how do you treat that? That's another man's. Or you're just like, oh, I'm just renting it, whatever. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting how we think like that? How many of you have ever blown out a rental car? Don't, come on. How many of you have taken a rental car? I'm just going to blow this thing. I'm going to ride this thing till the walls fall off, baby. Those tires are going to explode. That's another man's. Would you want someone to treat what you own like you're treating it? Wow, that sounds like scripture. Treat others as you would want to yourself be treated. Hmm. It's being a good steward. Everybody's like, man, this is too heavy for me right now. I'm just getting talked to. He's hitting every single point in my heart right now. Guess what? I'm hitting points in my heart too. It's all of us. 
but we could do better. We could be good stewards that are faithful with both unrighteous things and righteous things. We can be so faithful that actually the world will look at us and they would have no evil thing to say about us because there is no access point of evil in our lives. Man, that guy takes care of the rental that he has. He takes care of his rental car. He takes care of his another man's home. Man, he treats that ministry like it's his own ministry. Man, he treats that family like it's his own family. Man, he treats me better than he treats himself. What the heck is going on with this guy? What is he doing? Because I want some of that. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's being a good steward. And God will bless good stewardship. He will. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, it says, This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, before any plant of the field was in the earth and before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth and there was was no man to till the ground. What the heck does this mean? Anybody have an idea? The Bible's saying here that when God formed the earth, that every seed, every plant, all harvest that was going to come was within the earth already. But God withheld rain because there wasn't yet someone to till the ground. There wasn't a steward So you look in your life, you look in in your own spirit, you look in yourself, and you're like, man, Jeremiah 29, 11, God, you have all these plans, you have all these good, all the seed is within you. But God's waiting you for take take responsibility of being a good manager of the seed that's already you're seeing, and so he can multiply it, and you'll see breakthrough, and see new doors and new opportunities open. Am I preaching right now? I am preaching if you didn't know what I was doing right now. Hallelujah. So the seed is within you, but God is withholding rain because he's waiting for you to be a good steward. God is not wasteful. Notice when the, when the lunch came from the little boy, what happened? God, he, Jesus thanked the father, he blessed it, and then he multiplied it, right? But notice how there was something that was said after the amazing miracle happened. And there was baskets left over. So he sent them all, he said, go and gather the baskets, each one to yourself. God does not waste, so we shouldn't either. But isn't it weird how we sometimes are wasting a lot of things? We're wasting our time. We're wasting our resources. We're wasting away relationships. We're, we're, we're wasting away the stewardships that we don't think are like our calling. They're just like, okay, for now, and we're just wasting it away. We're, we're looking at it like, ah, small beginnings. The Bible says, do not despise the day of small beginnings. If you can't be faithful in somebody else's field, who, why do you think you're ever going to be entrusted with your own? But we want our own field. We, we got all this stuff happening right now. You see, one thing that I see in this generation more than any other thing is I see all these people that want to make all this money without doing any work. Am I preaching? Like, am I preaching to somebody that knows what I'm talking about is what I'm saying. Isn't that weird? Everybody wants to make all this money, but they don't want to lift a finger to do it. Isn't that interesting? Now, I'm totally for passive income, but do you realize that passive income came from years of struggle? Do you understand that? Somebody, somebody would say this, oh, overnight success. Do you realize that an overnight success was born out of 25 years of struggle? 
you just saw him when he came and presented himself to you. Meaning that you became aware because of the success, but you don't realize that the success came from 25, 35, 45 years of just elbow grease and knuckle to the bone, just work. But we want somebody else's breakthrough without seeing the seed that they had to sow and the struggle they had to go through to get it. The ground that they had to till and steward and manage to see that harvest come out. The worst thing to do is see somebody else's harvest and try to get it without the same sacrifice that they gave to get that harvest. That's the worst thing. Because what it'll make you is it'll make you entitled and it'll make you think all this stuff belongs to you. But we already know that the earth in all its fullness is the Lord. So nothing belongs to you. You're just a manager of it. Amen. So we need to be good stewards. Amen. Things that you are currently stewarding. These are a little bullet point list I make. Things that you are currently stewarding. So this is just practical application. Time. Resources and money. Your job. Do you realize that you never use a light when there's already light? So all of you that are praying to get out of that demonic job and that demonic atmosphere of a job, you're there because you are the light that's supposed to shine in the darkness at your job. It ain't your boss that's blown. It's you not realizing that you're the light of the world. Do you ever put salt on top of salt? No. You you use salt to flavor stuff. So if something doesn't taste good in your mouth right now, that job that you're at, that boss that's blown, guess what you're there to do? Salt them up with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Just release a little salt. Just none of this salt. Clean that. Clean that up. Take a shower. Hallelujah. <laughs> You're currently stewarding your relationships. Do you realize what you're going to get out of a relationship is only what you put into it? The relationships that you desire are not going to magically appear. They are going to slowly grow. Did everybody hear what I just said? The relationships that you desire are not going to magically appear. They're going to slowly grow. And if you will steward it and sow the right seed, do you, do you, guys, do you guys understand everything I'm saying here? It puts you in the driver's seat. You're not a victim. You're more than a conqueror in Christ. Amen? So, but notice how the other way of thinking, it puts you in a victim seat. It puts you in, oh, man, I hate this job because my boss, this and that and the other thing. But it's like, but you're there to actually influence your boss. But be under them because they're the ones that started the business. Does that make sense? So it's a posture of humility, but with a spirit of strength. Has God not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind? So release that love, release that power, and release that sound mind in everything that you're currently stewarding. Amen? Amen. What else are we stewarding? You're stewarding your gifting and your talent. What are, what are you wasting away your gifting on right now? Some of us, we have dreams, and we want to go and do all this stuff that's going to benefit us. But what you need to do is surrender your gift to the Lord and ask the Lord what he wants to do with it because he's the one that put it inside you. He owns your gift. So you bring it back to him. You say, God, what do you want me to do with this gift? What do you want me to do with this ability to sing, this ability to write music, this ability to start businesses, this ability to articulate and communicate to masses? What do you want me to do with this gifting? What do you want me to do with this gifting of helps and, and, and this, all this entrepreneurial shit? What do you want me to do with it? Ask him and he'll tell you. I promise you. Yeah. It's hidden in your destiny. It's hidden in the seed of destiny that is within you. Yeah. But we've got to surrender it. What else are you stewarding? Your body. I don't have a lot of authority to speak on this topic. Because currently I'm trying to come over on my body right now and be like, submit in Jesus' name. But we're stewarding it right now. 
So that means we need to be eating right. We need to be actually paying attention to our health and not just go, well, I'm going to do whatever I want and then God's going to fix it. That's not how it works. Steward, manage. You're stewarding your conscience. What does that mean? That means that your conscience, if, if you have nothing in your conscience against you and God, the Bible says that you will come boldly before the throne of grace and you'll just, you'll literally come like, there's, there's nothing that you can ask of God and he won't do. It's because of the blood, but understand that if you sear your own conscience, God will not leave, you will. You'll walk out. You'll feel distant. So how do you see your conscience? Guys, your gates, what you watch, what you listen to, what you're touching, what you allow to come in through your sense. Every sense that you have is given to actually steward properly and utilize while you're here on the earth. So if you're allowing just all kinds of dirt and and stuff to get through your gate, what do you think you're going to produce? Everything you put in. The law of seed time and harvest. Don't expect to get an apple tree when you're sowing orange seeds. You understand? It ain't going to change just because you changed your prayer life. You actually need to change your intake, what you consume. Don't sear your own conscience and you'll have confidence before God. It's the blood of Jesus that cleanses you, but you can actually see your conscience to where you feel distant from God. All you got to do is just change what's coming in. Another thing you're stewarding, prophetic words. Just because a prophet came up and said, God said, doesn't mean that it's going to happen. You need to steward it. Does that was a hard one for some of you to re- receive, but let me just help you. It's true. If, if you get a prophetic word, let me help you with this. Are there people that you knew that are no longer either following Jesus or no longer on the earth, and you're like, man, that person had so much more in them? Yes or no? Okay. Now, we don't got to go and be all regretful and be like, oh, my gosh, and get all in this weird state. I'm just saying there's a lot of stuff that isn't happening because we're not stewarding it correctly. Your prophetic words, once they come, it's a doorway for you to walk through. And the, and the stewarding, the managerial power that God has given you to manage your life and what's coming in and what's going out and how you partake of everything that's put in front of you, that's going to actually open up greater realms of opportunity that God's calling you further into. But if you just, oh, yeah, that's going to happen when it happens, that ain't, that ain't the way it works. You need to grab a hold of stuff that God says, and you need to actually contend into what he said. Amen? Contend with the prophetic words of your life. Uh, in Timothy, the Bible talks about to wage war over the prophecies given you. So it's scriptural. You understand? Paul talking to his, his, his son, Timothy. Another thing that you're currently stewarding is your dreams. Everybody has dreams in their heart. They have dreams in, in, inside of them, and you're stewarding them. So don't let something always be in tomorrow. Your potential is locked up in what you are faithful with today that is already in your hands. Amen? Why don't we stand? Hallelujah. Somebody get something today. Everybody just lift your hands to heaven and just receive the presence of the Lord right now. Father, I bless every single person right now in the name of Jesus. God, I bless the seeds. I bless the dreams. I bless the prophetic words. I bless the destinies that are locked up in this room right now, God, in Jesus' name. And I ask you, Father, to bring a weight of stewardship upon each person that wants it in this room right now. A weight of stewardship, God. A heavy, weighty glory of stewardship upon each one, God, that you would show them how important their destiny in the kingdom of heaven is. And they actually have the power to see it manifest here on the earth. I pray, God, right now that you would bring fresh hope, 
fresh life. I, I pray life to dead dreams right now. I pray life to dormant seeds that people thought they lost and they disqualified themselves for. I pray right now resurrection power over dormant seeds and dormant dreams right now. Some of you right now, you're even feeling it. You are going to start to have a fresh awakening of dreams and prophetic words and things that you have kind of put on the shelf, things that you even felt like you disqualified yourself from. God is going to reawaken those things in you, I promise you. But now that's not just something to look at a distant thing. You need to steward it. You need to take it up by the, by, you need to literally put your hand to the plow and not look back. You understand what I'm saying? Father, we just, I just bless every single person right now, even those watching over the live stream and the video. Father, I pray right now, God, I thank you, God, that you have given us every spiritual blessing under heaven. Father, everything we need is within us, God. Holy Spirit, we partner with you right now, and we ask you to teach us how to steward these great weighty things that you've put on our life to do. Father, I believe that the nations are locked up within this room right now. I believe that the nations are locked up. The souls of men across nations are locked up in destinies within this room right now, God. And I pray that you would give us power to steward correctly the strength that is within this room, God, through the Holy Spirit and the anointing of God on every life in this room. In Jesus' name, I bless them, Father, and I thank you, God, for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen.